readers of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Social man must watch out, not to cheat to get respect. Social man must be gentle, or get caught in his own way. It's Friday, October 25th, 2019, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming at you from Paris, France. Back over there, stateside, down in Loveland, Virginia, is our own Jesse Carey. Hey, Jesse. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You still haven't gotten back to it. You took one day off, like a week and a half ago. That's right. I feel like you're still, you're still, you're still dragging a little bit. You haven't quite hit, come back to your rhythm. Do you, Chandler, do you feel like I'm dragging? (laughs) You sound fine to me. (laughs) Well... Then there's something wrong with you because I'm dragging. <laughs> I am sick. Let's just say this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> but it is what it is. We got a skeleton crew today. It's it's rally cap time. There's been it's a lot true. of JD, JD, JD's tapped out. Uh, so it's so it's me. So it's me. So it's the three of us. It's just three, the three pros. It's just yeah. the A team <laughs> well, today. We, yeah, We're exactly. lean, a lean machine. A no exactly. edit. Exactly. No edit you're getting the SEAL Team Six of relevant <laughs> podcasting today. <laughs> Quick and efficient. We get the job done. You know, this isn't one a shock. Take, this all isn't a shock at all campaign. Mm, no. Surgical. This is, this is precision and surgical. In and out. Get the laughs. Get the takes. Get back home before anybody even knows we were there. You'll, never, you'll barely even notice this podcast. Just, what, next thing you know, the helicopter's leaving Saigon. You never even knew we were there. Uh, that's why this episode was brought to you by Native uh, for 20% off your first purchase. Check out nativedeodorant.com. Use the promo code RELEVANT during checkout. We'll tell you a little more about Native and their unique mission later in the show. On the show today, oh, we got a good one today. I love these guys, the Grey Havens, who are currently on a massive fall tour. Join us to talk about their recent remix singles and the inspiration for their unique brand of folk pop. And before we get into the we have a lot we have a lot to get to today. We get, we got the hot list coming up. Jesse, I know that you're I know that you feel a little hobbled by your own your, your illness. That's I appreciate right. you being here anyway. I know we got a lot to get to, but before we do that, I, I want to talk about something and it's okay. a risk to, to even bring this up. It, get I'm it taking off your a chance chest. here. Air it out. Air it out. I'm, this I'm is a risk taking podcast. This is the this is the, Indiana Jones the last crusade when he steps out over the the, the leap of faith situation yeah because it's hard we we talk about this man on this podcast it feels like once a week kanye west i, I know well, I, rapper I, fashion yeah. icon entrepreneur political activist sometimes yeah. uh provocateur noted, yeah sort of a helter skelter character um we did not put anything in the rundown today even though today friday is a big day for the remaining kanye fans out there he is supposed to have a new album out which would seem by all appearances to be square in the lane of the relevant mission yes <laughs> the album is called jesus is king <laughs> flatly the, the, bluntly jesus is king yeah. the, the track list is full of it, it, it looks like it looks like your youth pastor made an album with, with songs <laughs> like that it's, it's got the track list that we it, it was supposed to drop at midnight uh as of this recording right now nothing yeah. radio silence we don't know where it is I we, saw we, we don't list, know what's going on with it the track, right, list track list was post. we have a track list and, and kanye did tweet an apology that they're still remixing 
and <laughs> and, and like I want to make it right. That's classic. Yeah. Con- I mean, okay, continue your thought here because I have. Well, I, it's a risk to, to even bring this up for for a few reasons. I mean, bringing up Kanye is always a little risky, but also yeah. it, it could drop while we're recording. Like we may have to cut this thing all together. Chandler may have to go in and edit <laughs> to make it sound like I'm talking about the album and how much I loved or hated it. I, I don't know what's going to happen. There's there's a lot that could, this is a moving situation. That's right. But it felt weird to not address it today. And the whole Kanye thing, uh, I feel like we've kind of struggled at relevant with how to wrap our heads around this because the guy is saying a lot of stuff. He is. He is. <laughs> He is saying some things. Well, and here's the other thing, too. I was actually thinking because we, you know, Tyler, uh, yesterday, you and I were talking about prepping today's show, what content we're going to discuss. You know, this is the Friday show and the Friday show. We have the hot list in addition to our other segments where we where we look at the the big stuff, the intersection of faith and culture. It felt weird to ignore this. But it also felt weird to talk about it because we don't know the status of the album <laughs> and because we talk about it every week. I actually had an idea while I was lying in bed last night in my illness thinking about like, what if we just had a, like a weekly like Kanye update and like, like, Kanye watch Kanye yeah. watch 2019 <laughs> because it seems weird to it seems weird not to talk about it but it also seems very weird to talk about it every week like yeah it, we, can't, it, we can't talk about every single thing that he says that's relevant newsworthy because he talks about God you saw I, I sent you a tweet yesterday where he told Zane Lowe he, he was an interview on Zane Lowe the Beats One podcast yeah. and he said he asked people he was collaborating with to refer from from premarital sex these are his words premarital yeah. sex while working on the album that is some youth group pastor <laughs> summer camp energy yeah. that he is bringing to jesus is king album that's, that's i'm not saying i'm mad about status. it that's yeah. a purity i'm not saying i'm mad about this i'm not saying but, but it's but this is a very bizarre moment in the life of a very uh, of a very bizarre career uh, yeah. a guy who who People love him or they hate him or sometimes they do a little bit of both. He's obviously done some things that are that are pretty uh, at times pretty. Uh, he said some pretty uh, abhorrent things, but he's also said some really valuable things, made some of the most important music of the last two decades. And I just don't really know what to make of this new era of Kanye well, that we've entered into. Well, I, I, I listened to the, some of the and, and read some of the Zane Lowe interview with Kanye that um, and I, what, here's what I found most interesting about it. Because he's been talking about faith a lot, right? And, and like that, that Almost is certain, exclusively. Yeah. And, and that is interesting. You know, earlier, you know, he talked about he considers himself an evangelist now. Like right. he wants to, you know, save people eternal souls and, and preach the gospel. And he doesn't want to be an entertainer anymore. But the, what I found the most interesting um, component of the Zane Lowe interview was Kanye West's thoughts about sex and porn addiction. I don't know if oh, you guys caught oh, that. No, I missed because that. Because it, was, it wasn't that long ago where Kanye West served as like the producer for like the Pornhub Awards or something. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot they, about you that. You know, and they, 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 him and I think it was like Lil Peep or, or who was it? Uh, it wasn't Lil Peep. I think Lil Peep's no longer with um, yeah, he did a collaborative video. It's the one where they're wearing those big shoulder pads. Oh, in their, uh, uh, Lil Peep. Oh, Little pump, yeah. Little pump, yeah. little pump. Sorry, um, it was a, it was a pretty widely mocked, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, but, but, like but, a troll, but I, like a trolling segment. Yeah, but 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 I believe that was something they did and debuted at like the, the Pornhub Awards that Kanye yeah, West was helping right. to produce. But in this interview with Zane Lowe, he actually talks about how he first got introduced to 
uh, like his father had left out like a Playboy magazine and he came across it when he was a kid. Uh, I see. And he said that one encounter changed the course of his life because he began a pursuit of sex and pleasure that has only recently he feels like he is free from. And he was very open about addictions to pornography and sex in this conversation with Zane mm-hmm. Lowe in a way that I feel like that look, that's, a, that's not an easy thing to talk about, you know, for anybody, let alone yeah. somebody who is kind of famous for, for not liking to own up to mistakes or, or yeah. anything like that. So, and that, so that's really, that's a really admirable thing to be open about yeah. any addiction. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I do think it's interesting. I think it's, I feel like he is, like I said, a provocateur. And when, you know, when we had John Mark McMillan on the show a few weeks ago, you know, he was sort of pontificating whether this kind of these moves by Kanye are like a rebranding, but this actually sure. seems like some, I mean, it can't, it's impossible to judge somebody's, you know, impossible, but, but, and we're but, not, it's not our responsibility. You know, I'm not yeah, going to no, no, be no. the, but, 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 but I do think to do that. But I think, I do think you can also make objective observations and the, it, it, like the, from what I'm observing, this does seem like some sort of authentic spiritual type of transformation. But like you said, the album's delayed. I, the other thing too is like <laughs> the, because artists that like remix to the final minute, like what does, what does the work <laughs> yeah. process look like? No kidding. On that. No. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like super we, we put out like a lot of, of, of media and when a magazine gone has gone out, it has been read a thousand times, right? Exactly. Like it has been yeah. copy edited, yeah. it has been developed, it's been articles been worked on for months. It is insane to me that he has producers like wrapping up this album that was supposed to come out weeks ago. Like that whole work process that would give me so much stress and anxiety, like to to know that they, they, you know you're actually working on it, you know, as it's being released up that to just, the deadline, up yeah. to the final that final yeah. set, and even sometimes past it. Because for uh, Life of Pablo a few years ago, he released it and then pulled the album because he wanted to fix wolves. He, yeah. he pulled down the entire album to change like one song. A little bit, not like not like the lyrics were wrong. Like to tweak some of the, the some of the fine tune. Chandler, you're a you're a musician. You're yeah. a you're an artist. Yeah. Um, do you, does this to you? Because Jesse and I mostly we're artists with the pen, uh, with words, <laughs> yeah. uh, poets. Uh, yeah. But but this is a little more your lane than mm-hmm. ours. Could, does it make sense to you to be finessing uh, an album up to the last or at this point, well past the last second? I don't think it's normal, but uh, I, I, you know, given the, all the other things that he does, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the it was sort of like almost a missed opportunity for like a living album. Right. Where the oh, album is yeah. released and it is constantly changing and evolving even after That'd release. Cool. Like, I like that idea. I like that idea. Yeah. That some things can exist sort of fluid. Uh, yeah. That, that an album is never total. That's kind of a cool idea. It, you could come back to an album later on. And be like, Oh, that's an interesting rehash. Yeah. It, 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 it's like what has happened with the only other like pop artifact that I really think other than, you know, honestly, and this may be kind of, I mean, this may be kind of a poll. There, there's two pop culture artifacts that I, that I think of when I think of like living pieces of, uh, 
of content. You know what I mean? Like things yeah. that are released, but always change and being reinvented, but are still sort of the same property. One is like the world of creepypasta, right? Where, sure. yeah. you know, yeah. for, for people who aren't familiar, it's basically the, you know, 21st century version of urban legends where people write stories online uh, that are creepy. They copy and paste them. That's where the creepy pasta comes copy from. Copy paste, creepy they, pasta. So, so they copy and paste someone else's story, add more scary details, insert themselves into the story and post it somewhere. Someone else will read that story, copy and paste it. And do another version of it. So they're it's most famously the, the Slender Man. Yeah. The, the, started as a creepypasta. Yeah. And, and so the, they're like living pop culture artifacts. They're always changing. Like they're always evolving. The only other version that I can think of, and I'm sure there are others, but I think probably the most notable uh, is the song Hallelujah, originally by Leonard Cohen. Oh, because yeah, even yeah, sure. when Leonard Cohen was writing the song and releasing it, when he would perform it, he would constantly add verses and take out verses mm-hmm. and add ideas and take away ideas. And then that song has been sort of reappropriated and reimagined by countless artists. But the notable thing is when a lot of artists do their take on Hallelujah, it's they'll actually change the lyrics and they'll actually kind of change the, the structure of the song itself while keeping sort of the core of it. And it's sort of this, like, like I said, this living pop culture artifact. That's a, that's the other thing that I think is interesting that I wish you, that I wish Kanye would just take the opportunity to do. just put it out there and always change it. I think that's an interesting idea, you know, instead of holding on to it for like the final, final version, which you decide apparently at the last second, but who knows, you know, you might, you might eat a, a random hot dog later and decide, you know, what, I'm going to, I don't think I like that anymore. It seems like it'd be a cool <laughs> idea to have a, a more of a free flowing fluid, a final piece yeah yeah and and music and spotify allows you to do that in the way the older uh, physical copies of music didn't like we can't change a magazine unfortunately after it goes to print there are times where i wish we could have but the (laughs) but music uh but the music you really can uh so it'd be it'd be cool to i think somebody will do that it seems like the idea is already kind of out there with soundcloud rappers yeah but somebody of kanye's caliber doing it would be would be interesting but at this point yeah. who even knows if we're going to get this jesus is king yeah. album yeah yeah One who, way or the other. who knows who, yeah exactly did you see he, he has the second album too the a christmas album the kanye christmas album no. jesus yeah yeah christmas day jesus is born is also going to be like well allegedly really? on christmas day we'll see I, i'll be i'll believe it when i see it but a, a christmas gift of all those Kanye Christmas a fans. Kanye Christmas album. To, a Kanye, Kanye Christmas very, album is almost self-parody. It's almost self-parody. <laughs> like, I want to see a Kanye, like, Christmas variety, like, old-timey variety show. You know what like I mean? Like, he puts on the sweater, <laughs> yeah, brings we're, we're, on some guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the Christmas show we, we did. It's like, well, it's look like I'm just spending Christmas by the fire this year. And the doorbell <laughs> rings. And look who it is. It's Kim Kardashian. And <laughs> My, my chance, wife. The, chance the rapper is showing up. I hear sleigh bells and it's like, you know, chance the rapper. What are you doing outside? Get in from the cold, get in from the cold. And they sit around the piano. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was basically the plot of all of those variety shows. You know, there aren't many, uh, uh, current pop stars who I couldn't see being more in need of a, of a, t- a Dickensian 
Christmas Carol redemption story than Kanye West. It really seems like he would do well. He would benefit from ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future coming by to to like show him the error of his way. And Jay-Z is kind of a Jacob Marley type, like, don't become like me, Kanye. You can save yourself. <laughs> don't make shady deals with the NFL and get criticized, Kanye. <laughs> expect the first ghost <laughs> <laughs> the, the ghost of christmas future you know arrives and he's I mean, just like those are dope easies those are what we're releasing like in three years because i didn't even think of that they look like they look like crocs with wings on them <laughs> people will pay nine hundred dollars for those <laughs> chance seems like an obvious contender for the ghost of christmas past like the kind of young bright Bring it yeah. like look how fun how much fun you used to have when you were a when you were a young man Kanye <laughs> just a young guy rapping about living just life in Chicago backpack, uh, yeah just life in Chicago it was a different <laughs> yeah yeah well, well, I, I, we'll look I look for, we'll forward to the Christmas album and the Christmas inevitable Christmas we'll obviously have a Christmas show of our yeah. own yeah after last year's <laughs> was such was such a hit uh, oh, we'll it's a, oh it was great we were all yeah. together for that it was, it that was, was really fun. it was that really was fun. fun we'll have to do a redux yeah exactly. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, the hot list. Listening to Seven Minutes by Tufts. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Social Man by The Growlers. You know, usually uh, uh, over the past couple of weeks, Jesse and I have been trading off picking music for this, but today, all the songs you hear are, have been chosen by the one and only Chandler Strength. Right. Chandler Picks. Chandler Picks. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The rest I, I, of the I was show, hoping for a little more Kanye, but the re- it's good. <laughs> the rest of the show will it's be good. Chandler Strang acapella originals. And most of them. <laughs> Are, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say it, are shocking in their lyrical content. <laughs> Some very, very, very dark stuff that Chandler appears to just be singing in a baritone draw. It's, it's shocking even, and why am I like this? What is this? Why do you play? What is, what is this? Is this even music? This is not profane. It's not profanity. It's like clean, but it's also, you kind of wish it was because it's even darker somehow. (laughs) It's a peek into a very dark soul for some reason in the form of like a Gregorian chant. It's odd. And those are the transitions for today. Did you see that? that, uh, that, that, That was, that was, that was the dreams that visit me. In the Darkest of Night by Chandler Strike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. With that, we're going into the hot list. It's time for our weekly look back at the intersection of faith and culture. It begins with number five. Johnny Swim is getting their own reality TV show. This is an interesting one for me. I, I don't know. Are either of you guys a reality TV heads? I mean, I'm I I I loved Chandler. I feel like we have the same taste in reality TV show. Like we like some that are a little off center. Yeah, the more ridiculous, the better, in my opinion. 
Okay. Yeah, like people who are professional, like pest control professionals, or uh, oh, I see, or like reality shows about uh, end time bunker builders. <laughs> like those are more Chandler and I speak. Okay, like oh, a new a, a new pest control reality show. Oh, cool, very cool. I'm in. I I'm in. <laughs> what? A, listen, you you say repo man, and I say marathon binge watching <laughs> okay that's my more my speed reality right. show let me give you let me give you the cliff notes here and you tell me if you feel like this falls into the purview of your reality show reality <laughs> tv show diet okay so our friends johnny swim abner ramirez and amanda sedona ramirez better known as johnny swim are making the move to tv courtesy of who else but Chip and Joanna Gaines and oh, their man. new cable network. The show Home on the Road will follow the couple, their kids, and their bandmates on tour with a focus on the food, music, and culture in each of the cities on their stops. Uh, here's a statement from Chip and Joe. They said, quote, Amanda and Abner are magnetic. Ever since we met them a little over five years ago, we met them a little longer than five years ago, we've been drawn to the way they navigate family, community, and life on the road. They're not just musicians, they're storytellers, and together they are a true picture of the relentless pursuit of following a dream and making it a reality. But their dream doesn't stop with them. It's extended to their family and fans and everyone they meet. The show will be part of the game's new Magnolia cable network. So what do you say, fellas? As somebody who doesn't watch a lot of reality TV, how, how do you feel about this particular offering? I... I well, I, we have had the inter, the 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 privilege of interviewing Abner and Amanda on several occasions, and they are very and charming. They are very charming. They're hilarious. They are delightful people, and they will be great on television. The only thing that I feel like this could uh, show could use is either some uh, vehicle repossession element or. <laughs> Or a tie into the world of pawn uh, of of either store of delinquent storage units or pawn shops. Now, if you can get one of those ties in, I think we got a real we got a real hit on our hands. You know, so you're suggesting like a reality TV cinematic universe in which they are not only have their own reality <laughs> show, but they bring into, in, the, they, they show th up on storage wars or pawn stars or something like that. Exactly. I think this show, I mean, I like the idea. It's life on the road with the family doing the tour sure. because they're great artists and I'm sure it's going to be a fun road trip. But if they suddenly show up and they are in charge of fabricating a large chopper motorcycle one episode, <laughs> <laughs> I think that enhances it personally. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if, if suddenly, you know, the tour takes them to Alaska and they're living amongst the bush people and then board a boat full of crabbers for uh, a stent. That's the kind of, you, you guys get where I'm going here. I, right? I see where you're going. Yeah. There's all sorts of things since they're on the road. Anyway, they're already, they already got wheels. They the whole show is based on them driving around. You might as well. Well, I mean, we could do the whole thing. They could kind of do a rehash of like, here they are in Chicago. Here they are in Orlando. Here they are in New York City. Wouldn't it be more interesting yeah. to see them stop by the sets of different, of various reality TV shows and interact with, with the, uh, with the Duck Dynasty guys, with the Fab Five? Like there's a lot, there's a lot more combustible drama in those interactions. Exactly. Here, here they are dog whispering with Caesar Milan in the backyard of some rich lady in Beverly hills it's turned out the dog is the alpha in that relationship can they fix it only only them and caesar know 
I know they're listening. They're they're faithful listeners. They, they've given us a couple of shout outs now and then. And we, we always appreciate when they shout us out. So I, I believe that they have heard about this. And all we ask for are the royalties for this idea. But <laughs> a full royalties. The, we want the IP. We want the IP. <laughs> all right. Moving on to number four. Kesha takes on the toxic Christian patriarchy in the music video for her new song, Raisin Hell. So Kesha is back with a new song, a new video. It's called Raisin Hell, first single off of her upcoming album. The song itself is mostly an ode to the religion of having a good time, but the music video has bigger things in mind. It shows Kesha as a televangelist wife and the Tammy Faye Baker model, putting up with an abusive pastor husband until, spoiler alert, she accidentally kills him while defending herself, and then has to get out of Dodge. Kesha has been incorporating a lot of religious themes in her music ever since her public battle with her former producer, Dr. Luke, who she accused of sexual abuse back in 2014. Here is a clip of Raisin Hell. If you couldn't tell, we can always find the trouble. We don't need no And this is what this is one of those songs where I don't feel like we can formally endorse because uh, yeah. it's not exactly. I mean, if you if there's a clean version, go listen to it. But uh, other than the artistic merits of the pop song itself, the the video, which again, view at your own caution. It's in if if you've been watching like Righteous Gemstones, it's sort of in that vein because she really does nail the aesthetic of like you know old school televangelism. And I think she even comes from that world, if I remember correctly. She grew up very uh, rural Tennessee in the like kind of southern fried uh, white evangelical uh, structure. It, it, it was a it's an interesting creative choice, and I found the video very. It, it, it like it, it does it uh, sort of what righteous gemstones has done. It's which hard not it, to compare it to righteous gemstones. It feels very much cut from the same cloth. Yeah, be, because it it opens with what appears to be straight parody, right? Like she is, you know, on a kind of low budgety televangelism show and has a big following, but it takes like righteous gemstones an absurdly dark and violent twist that actually makes you think about the con it makes you think about bigger ideas than just, Hey, let's make a music video sending up televangelism. It ha it does have some interesting things on its mind. It's been really interesting to watch her career because I feel like she was kind of like a, it was really cool to hate her back in the, the TikTok era. Yeah. The song yeah. TikTok, not the, not the new social media app, but I feel like she's, she's, Obviously, like uh, she's a very gifted artist. She's got a she's got a great voice. She writes her own stuff. She's in control of her own career. And then the 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 really really awful uh, Doctor Luke saga and and everything that that came out of that was just like obviously extremely difficult for her. Yeah. She was in that recording contract that Sony would not let her out of, uh, despite the the very serious and incredible accusations that she made against Dr. Luke. And and I know that that was and then she wrote that song Praying, which was extremely powerful and yeah. very memorably uh helped craft a a uh a picture of how she was feeling about it and what she went through. So I'm, I'm glad that her career appears to be back in her own hands in a way it wasn't when she, when she first started doing yeah. this. And uh, I, I understand that there's still some, uh, that, the, that the, there's some salty elements to her music that we, that, uh, that we don't, we, 
isn't aren't fully fully endorsable on this particular podcast, but I yeah. do really admire what how, how she has not only sur- survived and, and come through all of all this, but really helped empower a lot of other women in that community and in that industry to raise their own voices. She's been extremely admirable in how she's handled all of this. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like I said, no matter what someone thinks of the artistic merits of the or even the content of the song and the video itself, whether they find it offensive. I do feel like it is at the very least notable that Kesha is uh, the personality that is willing to take on, like you said, sort of the toxic patriarchy in the church in in a very uh, provocative way. It's an interesting, it's an interesting take. Coming in at number three, The Watchmen shines a light on the Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, this is super interesting. Did either of you guys get a chance to, to catch that Watchmen pilot last Sunday? Not yet. Did you see it, Chandler? No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I, uh, obviously, I was, uh, I was listeners to the show know that this is right up my alley. I was pretty excited about a, a Damon Lindelof uh, adaptation of of The Watchmen, and the pilot didn't disappoint for a lot of reasons. Uh, Damon Lindelof's The Watchmen debuted to great reviews and big ratings last Sunday, marking a promising start for the classic comic book adaptation slash remix. But much of the conversation centered around the opening eight minutes. The opening scene of the pilot was a terrifying depiction of a real-life event from American history that's rarely discussed, the Tulsa Race Massacre, sometimes called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history, a riot made up of white police officers, KKK members, and laymen that involved guns, firebombs, and even airplanes descended on an affluent black neighborhood in Tulsa over Memorial Day weekend in 1921. The massacre is estimated to have left between 100 and 300 black people dead, 10,000 black people homeless, and cost $32 million in property damage. It's very rarely discussed, was scrubbed from the history books after it happens. Lindelof said he learned about the riot while reading an essay by famed writer ta Coates and included it in the script for a show that sure looks like it will have race in America heavy on the brain as it moves forward. And it was super interesting to me to see so much conversation about this online uh, with a lot of black historians on Twitter and social media weighing in on what their own, what they took away and their, their uh, knowledge of this event that is now been very well documented. Thanks to a 1996 uh uh, attempt by the city by the city of Tulsa to sort of re-explore what happened in the midst of all of that and uh, give this story this very very tragic horrifying story a a chance to be sort of re-remembered or brought back into a place in American history there where it needs to be discussed and talked about and it's cool to see something like The Watchmen uh, an HBO show uh, a comic book adaptation used to leverage it back into the spotlight. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that Lindelof said, probably like a lot of Americans, they had no aware, even though if you look at the details of this, where, uh, you, you know, a, a massive mob of of white people stormed into an affluent, you know, they call it Black Wall Street. It was a Black very, Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. And a very affluent part of town. And essentially raided firebombed and planes are dropping bombs or or dropping you know like molotov cocktail yeah, yeah. 
on American citizens, on on the, this community of, that's predominantly African American, that should be that should be something that everyone is taught in history class. I mean, it's horrible, you know, like that. And it, it was 1921. This is within living memory of of today. Exactly. There are likely people still alive who who witnessed this, or at least could have been born when this actually happened. Yeah. And I lived in Tulsa. For four, for four years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, and I've I never heard it discussed. You know, and, and I do think you, 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 that the Watchmen, the legacy of that graphic novel, which at, at our White Elephant Gift Exchange a few years ago, Tyler, you got my name, and I did. Yeah, I did me get, give that the one. graphic novel. You know, that obviously is a very has a lot of interesting social um, ideas on its mind. Uh, you know, but but that's more like sort of like, I guess you, you probably could articulate it better, but more of Cold War type of anxieties where it looks like Lindelof's version is going to look more at contemporary American issues that are going to deal with race and terrorism and, uh, you know, ideas like surveillance where the old mm-hmm. one, the original, the actual graphic novel itself uh, sort of had different social anxieties, you know, in its in its crosshairs. Well, they're both of their era, and and I think that The Watchmen was an extremely political comic that came out in the 80s and was more interested in, like you said, the Cold War, Reaganism, and this is not a straight adaptation. The TV show is, is uh, Lindelof's called it a remix, kind of half sequel, half just reimagining of the world that The Watchmen came out of, and in an interview, he said that since obviously the Cold War isn't really the the uh, something that's po- politically the focus of America anymore. He decided that instead, uh, police violence and, and uh, race in America would sort of take the place of that as the the, the ethos or the central subject. And yeah. so far, uh, it, it, he's uh, we're one episode in, uh, but I, I think he's handled it very admirably. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing what number two is like. But a, a really strong start uh, using a very obviously terrible incident. To leverage some important conversations. So I yeah. wish more shows would would do that. Yeah. Number two, Elizabeth Warren is open to hiring a secular outreach coordinator. So this is interesting. On Tuesday, Democratic presidential frontrunner Elizabeth Warren fielded a question in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, from Justin Scott, the Iowa State Director for American Atheists. He said a lot of candidates, quote, pander to religious groups by hiring faith outreach coordinators. He wondered if she would consider a secular outreach coordinator. Uh, Here's what she said. Let me say something, because I think it's important. Um, You're an atheist. I'm a Methodist. But I grew up in a church that the first thing I ever learned was about the value of every single person. It was everything I learned. I'm not saying every Methodist is like that. That's not my job is to talk about all of them. I'm telling you what I learned from the time I was little. I was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, I taught fifth grade Sunday school. Man, that was an experience. (laughs) Woo! Um, All I can say is no one was injured. Uh, Which actually was the bar in that particular fifth grade Sunday school. Uh, But it was always about respect for every person. And if I had to describe a single guiding principle for me, the deepest of faith for me, It's that 
every human being has value. Whether you call it God or a spirit, life, you can give it the name you want, but it's about respect. It's about valuing every human being. And that means you, and that means me, and that means all of you. But I'm going to think about that, okay? Warren hasn't actually hired a faith outreach coordinator yet. Uh, Mayor Pete was the first to hire one this year, followed by Cory Booker. I thought this was interesting for a few reasons. First of all, I, I, I liked her response. I appreciated the, uh, you know, the graciousness of how she yeah. answered that question and highlighting her differences between this, the gentleman who answered this question, asked this question and herself as a Methodist. But I, I also, I guess I don't really know, and we, we should talk to our friend Michael Ware here. I don't really know what a faith outreach coordinator does and if it could be replicated in a non-religious context. Yeah, I mean, from my knowledge and just covering the intersections of faith and current events and culture for years, it's typically the faith outreach coordinators in the campaign uh, uh, phase that, you know, encourage candidates to engage directly with religious audiences about issues mm-hmm. that they care about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I mean, when you see a, uh, a candidate speak at like a Liberty university or something, or, uh, you know, and address issues that that student body is going to care about when it comes to, making their decisions on who to vote for. Typically that's the work of someone like a faith outreach coordinator uh, is setting that type of stuff up. But I don't know what that translates to like, I guess, and and maybe this is my own ignorance, but it wasn't totally clear in this exchange, which, which he had with this gentleman of what are the concerns of the atheists that they feel like they need to be reached out to. I mean, I'm yeah. assuming it's, it's separation of church and state issues, but, oh, but yeah. I'm sure I, they I, exist. It's not clear what those are, you know? Right. Right. And that would be something, and that's probably speaks to a, uh, to a little bit of our own ignorance here, because I'm sure that p- people who are in this, this, uh, this particular atheist group or other atheists have some concerns and, and we've tried to share, you know, we've talked on this podcast about our own concerns about times where we feel there's been sort of an overstep in the separation of church and state and politics. I think it happens quite a bit. Uh, so those are concerns that uh, are not just atheists, but ourselves as religious folks on this podcast uh, have a lot of those as well. And and I would be I would be interested and open to hearing uh, what those concerns are. I just think the idea the no and you can see if you watch the video clip, which is embedded over at Relevant, you can see when he asked the question that the thought had never really occurred to her before, and it kind of dawns on her. She does end by saying that she'll give it some thought. I would be interested to know what that what that looks like. A little surprised if it would happen, to be honest, but that's not to say that it shouldn't. I'm just, I'd be curious to know what that would look like. Some sort of picture of that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, it's just an interesting concept. And, but and yeah, it's interesting. It that's where we are in political discourse right now is outreach coordinators for specific, uh, you know, groups that have opposing values, you know. But, uh-huh. it, it, but hey, I mean, it, it's, it's the moment we're in, you know. That's true. It would be cool to see some of that coalition building happen. And coming to number one on the hot list this week, Me Without You announces the end of an era. Me Without You, one of the more popular and intriguing acts to come out of the tooth and nail heyday, says 2020 will be their last year as a band. After 16 years together, the Philadelphia rock band behind albums like Brother, Sister, A to B Life, and Catch for Us, the Foxes, say they have many plans in the interim 
the details which are forthcoming. Jesse, uh, you were a tooth and nail guy yep. back in the day. It was me without you, one of your one of your bands. Oh, absolutely. Catch for us the foxes, particularly is is sure. a, a highlight album. Maybe Chandler, we can let's play a quick clip from from that. Right. I like to tell an Aaron White, but I like to tell a story about the lead singer Aaron Weiss. About Aaron White, everybody's got a you could every Aaron Weiss story sounds like Aaron Weiss fanfic. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like it came from like the blog, like like some sort of Reddit thread or like a creepy pasta, <laughs> like an Aaron Weiss creepy pasta story. Yeah. But, uh, he maybe he may be vegan now, and he may dispute the details of this. But this is of my recollection of an, of an interaction I had. <laughs> with him about okay. uh, about 14 years ago okay, okay. again he I, he might be vegan now but this is how i remember the story okay this is my okay. truth this is okay. my aaron weiss <laughs> truth okay <laughs> so at the time at the time i was like on the road going to festivals setting up a booth to promote both relevant and this is how long ago it was that first Chronicles of Narnia movie. Like I was kind of co-working <laughs> oh, for relevant yeah, yeah. and wall media at the time. Okay, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I go to the music festivals, I set up booths and I just kind of hang out, but I get there I, to set up all this stuff, which was a large production. I usually had to get there about a day early. And when you're there a day early in the merch area, you know, a lot of the bands are walking around kind of making sure their boots and their t-shirts look all right. And I bump into Aaron Weiss. I actually have a booth right next to him. And as okay. we're setting up, I just get to chit chatting and I was like, uh, were you I, a fan at the time? I was a fan at the time, but, but okay. during that summer I, I, I was interacting. I mean, we were some of these bands, we were like road trip together, share hotel rooms and stuff. So like the fan element kind of was no longer really there. It was just like, these are essentially for this summer colleagues in a weird sort of way. You know what I mean? Like gotcha. we travel to these different events together. We're kind of working in the same areas. We kind of watch out for each other. Anyway, so I go to make I go to make conversation, and he, again, he's an artist. So the the obvious point of conversation is like, "Hey, when's uh, when's you get when do you guys have some some new music coming out?" He's like, right. "I don't know what tomorrow brings." He's like, uh, I, "I could die in a car accident tomorrow." I don't think, uh, and I'm like, "Well, that was a very weird, <laughs> ominous thought. Like that was an <laughs> odd way to interact." <laughs> and and then uh uh I, so again i'm just trying to make normal conversation i'm like yeah it's been i don't know what's gonna happen either i mean i i was running late for this one i barely got here on time to set up i haven't even had a chance to eat yet and he goes you haven't eaten yet and i said no no i'm pretty hungry i'll probably after a setup i'll go find some he goes well i would like to give you something and he reached into the pocket of his jeans okay okay this and is- out of the jeans came a barbecue sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> was it in a little bag? No, it was wrapped in a wet napkin. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, it was like, it was just one single unfolded napkin wrapped in a barbecue sandwich. Okay. And the barbecue sauce was leaking onto the napkin. He just happened to have one in the pocket of his jeans. God provided. Oh, it, I I, 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 he insisted I take it and uh-huh. I can't tell if it was fresh because it was body temperature warmth, which is about <laughs> honestly the, 
is about the warmth you <laughs> want a barbecue wrong. sandwich. Yeah, it's not wrong. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's but okay. It, it was just very odd to me that this is a man that in the middle of like the workday is like just has in his pocket a barbecue sandwich. Like it's kind of weird just to have a barbecue sandwich, even if you have like a lunch bag somewhere. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like who's carrying around a lunch bag with a barbecue sandwich? It's much more odd that it just happens to be in the pocket of your jeans. And then after you say something very ominous to someone who is a complete stranger, you then pull it out of your pocket and offer it to them and insist that they take and eat it. <laughs> so uh, always an interesting guy and always yeah. an interesting band. Yeah, I think probably a lot of you could probably almost do a question of the week with our listeners about who has the what's your weird Aaron Weiss story because everybody's got one, and I don't mean weird in a bad way. I've they were an important band for me. They've been an important band for me for a while, and they like, but their van runs on like vegetable oil if I remember correctly. They have these big potlucks before their shows where anybody can show up. With whatever food they have in their pockets to, to like eat to get pocket food. It's a pocket food potluck. You can just jam a bunch of soup in there and shovel it out. It's like, oh, I brought jambalaya. Here you go. And you're just reaching into wet pockets and just dumping it out on a, on a big like calabash table, or just like a big picnic table with newspaper. Everyone just shovels pocket food there and you just eat it with your bare hands. No. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, man. Can I tell you guys one other story from that era of like a weird, weird artist? That uh, I I came across one time. I'm 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 all in. Okay, right. there was a band. Does anybody? They're from Florida, and actually, Chandler, if we can play a clip too from uh, the play Coin Laundry Loser. The band is two thirty eight. Do you guys remember two thirty eight? Sure. I mean, mostly by their name. I I don't remember any of the songs. Okay, but yes, I was I'm aware of them. Their music still holds up. Chandler, do you remember uh uh two thirty eight? Their album Regulate the Chemicals is is still like a legit gem from that era. Do you remember that record, Chandler? I don't. I don't think I ever listened to them. No. Okay, so so here's a clip of uh, of uh, from Regulate. the Chemicals. Anyway, really cool album. I went to go see them one time and the lead singer, Chris Staples, who who actually now mm-hmm. has done, he's done a band called Discover America. He's done a couple of like folk albums. I heard him on NPR not that long ago oh, okay, doing cool. like folk stuff. But I saw him at this venue one time. It was around the same time. And he was, he, dude, the guy, he, he was talking about traveling the, you know, they're in the van doing the, the band thing. And he's like, I would like to take a minute and stop the show and talk about the necklace I'm wearing right now. And he pulls out a, a, a necklace from underneath his shirt. And it's very unclear what it is, but there's a very large okay. object at the end of the necklace. And he's okay. like, I, we were driving through the desert on this tour and out of nowhere, a deer jumped in front of us. They hit the deer, right? Okay. And he felt very Tour bad. The deer. We have a, so we have a deer death. Yeah, he had a deer death. And he's like, and I watched the, the, the I watched the deer's, it's a horrible story. I watched the deer's right. life slip from its eyes. Oh my gosh. And I felt so horrible and haunted by what I had done accidentally with that van. I decided to take a piece of that deer with me. And he will be a member oh, no. of our tour. And he oh, was no. wearing part of the antler that he took off the deer oh, on his gosh. necklace oh, and wow. doing a tribute no. to him no. during the concert. It was so weird. And I don't how think big he of, was, how big when you say it's big, like what? How big of an antler uh, chunk? I will say this. If you were to make a deer antler necklace, 
you would probably want it about a quarter of the size of his. I mean, it looked like, I mean, it wasn't that far from when you see like those in the movies, like someone in the Swiss Alps that wears like a big, yeah. ho- like animal horn yeah, around the house. Yeah. Like, bah, bah. like uh-huh, it exactly. wasn't that big, but it was definitely bigger than so the, this is like more than a single tine. Yeah. This is like a big, okay. Th- this, this was a sizable antler honk. And he felt the need to tell this very disturbing, weird story. Mm, I so, would have kept that to myself. I would have played that the close deer to the homicide, chest. And then I, I probably would have let the, left the, let the antlers just intact. I, I would have played that as close to the chest as Aaron Weiss keeps a barbecue sandwich next to his thigh. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's okay to be weird. But just keep it to yourself. <laughs> that's good advice and with it that'll do it for this week's hot list we're gonna take a quick break when we come back gray havens joins us listening to my love was like the rain that's by lapsley like we said earlier today's episode is brought to you by native native creates safe simple effective products that people use in the bathroom every day they create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance not convinced check out the 8,000 five-star reviews from our customers what makes them so unique they're formulated without aluminum parabens and talc and are filled with ingredients found in nature such as coconut oil shea butter and are never tested on animals and it works making the switch to an aluminum free deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on product performance tyler we we actually got a chance to try one the eucalyptus and mint deodorant yeah hey fresh all day Oh, There's yeah? nothing better. That's a that's like a good a combo. That's a good. I would never have thought like to it. combine eucalyptus <laughs> and mint, and I can't think of anything fresher. To be honest with you, it's it's, yeah, it's like a, a, like a charm. Like oh, it's it's, it's great. It, it's you know, it's a very and they have a lot of cool scents and it's all natural. So oh, that's awesome. It comes yeah. in a variety of enticing scents from men and women. Plus, they release a new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda free formula for those with sensitivities. And guess what? They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code RELEVANT during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, promo code RELEVANT. Well, the Grey Havens is a folk pop group consisting of married duo David and Leisha Radford, who write about faith love, and stories inspired by writers like C.S. Lewis. The band is currently on a massive U.S. tour and have recently released a series of remixes of some of their most notable songs. We recently talked with David about their music and why they find so much inspiration in the work of the Inklings. Here is part of our conversation with the Grey Havens. Tell me a little bit about the role that literature, you know, the particularly like the Inklings, you know, that kind of, um, you know, genre and, and group of writers how tell me a little bit about how they continue to inspire you creatively well there's two kind of sources of of main inspiration for my writing i mean i really like to listen to a lot of sermons and i 
love reading books, uh, love reading novels. And so I've said before, it's like sermons have taught me what to say and stories have taught me how to say it. And writers like Lewis and, and Tolkien just have such a, a deep kind of well of imaginative places and characters and things that ring true in their stories. And so I'm certainly trying to do that in a certain sense with our songs. Everybody loves stories. Our whole world is obsessed with stories and it's very important that we tell them for some reason. And so for me, a story, when it came time to exploring what it would look like to write a song, story and narrative was was the most, I don't know, intuitive way for me to to express it. Now, Dave, I know you guys are getting ready for the fall tour. What, what can what can fans expect from you guys out on the road this fall? Yeah, so we're it's called the See You Again tour. We're heading out. It's going to be a collection, really, of just our favorite songs that we have played live in the past. So this past spring, we toured mainly songs from the the new album She Waits, and in the fall, um, we're expanding upon that and just including. Some of these um, remix songs, for sure, playing them in the fall in kind of a, a new configuration and just our absolute favorites that we've left to play over the seven years that we've been touring. So we're excited about that. It'll be about 30 cities. We're pumped. That was the Grey Havens. Next up, the listener of the week. Having a hard Study online, stay on mission at Asbury Seminary. With more than a dozen online degree and certification programs, you can earn a Master of Divinity, MA in Leadership, Intercultural Studies, and more without uprooting your life. Earn your degree in a way that fits your life. Complete your degree in two to four years with online classes and minimal campus visits at one of our four locations in Tulsa, Memphis, Orlando, and Wilmore, Kentucky. To learn more, apply at asburyseminary.edu or call 844-G-O-T-O-A-T-S. listening to Plane Ride by the Undercover Dream Lovers. You're listening to Spaghettification as I slip through the black <laughs> hole of the darkness by Chandler Strang. Oh, black hole of darkness. Compress my bones as I feel the gravity. What a hit. Banger. Oh, slaps. That yeah. one slaps. That the, remix, one. the remix is going to be in the club. One remix yeah. away from the club. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Now it's time for Listener of the Week. It's where we bring in one of y'all to tell a few stories that you've already pitched to us via our Twitter DMs. Jesse, who do we have this week? This week we have Katie with us. And Katie... Katie had three facts and I want to that they build to one Katie and and I and I I want to oh, like I want to pyramid situation I want to switch up the order that you sent them in but first Katie tell us where you are calling us from Um I'm calling from Jupiter Florida Oh that's uh-huh. right down the road 
for me. Yeah. All right, cool. You could have done this in the office. Yeah, <laughs> are you are you from <laughs> Jupiter? No, I'm not from Jupiter. I grew up in Tallahassee, but I've lived down here for like 15 years. Okay, okay. Nice. And, and what, what what do you do? Yeah. What do you do there in Jupiter? Um, I'm actually a stay at home mom. Oh, very nice. Very oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah, I'm a, a Uber driver who doesn't get paid, and I have very loyal customers. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, K- Kitty, let me ask you this: you 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 are a lifelong Floridian, uh, from Tallahassee to Jupiter. You've probably been all over the great state of Florida. What is your what is your favorite thing about Florida, and what is your least favorite thing about Florida? My least favorite thing about Florida is our reputation. <laughs> See, that's my favorite thing about Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, my favorite thing has to be the beach. Yeah. Oh, sure. That's, that's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I, I get that. That's what keeps us here. Well, Katie, I want to jump into your facts. <laughs> I want to jump into your facts. Let's start with your childhood. How about that, Katie? <laughs> okay. First... <laughs> You, you had an interesting and, and, and a charming name for the church sanctuary when you were a child. Tell us, tell us what that is. Yeah, and I'm feeling kind of bad that I said where I was from, where I grew up, because I didn't want to sell anybody out. But um, yeah, our church sanctuary is called the Joy Dome. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. <laughs> the jo- this Why was, this your, it- was this your unique name for the church? Was this everybody called it the Joy Dome? No, no. It was, and I can't remember if it was like, you know, if they had a sign on the side of the building, but it was literally like that's what it was known as. And I, we, like, we went to the church when they built it. And, um, you know, it's not like a super dome kind of dome. It was like, um, just, uh, I think a cheap way to build a building. (laughs) I feel bad. I said where I was from. (laughs) Okay. I have a question though. Was it just the sanctuary called the joy dome or was it like joy dome assemblies of God, Jupiter? Like, or is it just the room they called the joy dome? Okay, it was not in Jupiter, and we're not going to say where it was from because I don't want people to think I'm hating on this church because I'm not. Um, no, it was just, it was called, well, uh, I feel bad I'm saying too much, but the, no. the, church was called, the nickname was called the Fellowship of Joy. And so okay, when, we, okay. when they built the new building, it was in the shape of a dome. It's like a, like a cheaper way to build a building. Like, um, I don't even know what the construction is called, but almost like the building that, um, the dude lives in in the Martian, like that kind of a shape. Yeah, <laughs> like a biodome yeah. situation. You know what I'm yeah, like, but a lot bigger, obviously, because it was a big sanctuary thing. But um, I think that's the reason they built it like that, because it was cheaper. But um, because we were the Fellowship of Joy, when this dome kind of building was built, they automatically called it the Joy Dome, and we all called it the Joy Dome. And I'm pretty sure it was on the, I, I really feel like there was a sign on the building that called it the Joy Dome. Okay. You seem like a really good person. And, and here's why, uh, not and for, for probably a variety of reasons, but you are so cautious to protect the identity of a <laughs> church whose biggest scandal is having a building <laughs> called the Joy Dome. Yeah. yeah. This I just is want exactly to assure you. Situation. <laughs> I just want to assure to you <laughs> on the scope of church scandals. Having a building called the Joy Dome is pretty low. So I think I think you did the right thing there. That's true. That's true. I got to keep that in perspective. Thank you. 
Okay, so this one, honestly, I read this one and now I didn't realize you were a Floridian because this when I read when I read this one, I was like, well, this is probably something people in Florida, you could just walk up to someone on the street and ask them if they've had this. And they're like, oh yeah, that happened three days ago. You recently were in a Walmart line and witnessed two customers deciding to take things outside. <laughs> Which, 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 again, I think is one of the state mottos of Florida. Let's take this outside of a Walmart. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have Walmarts that have like a self checkout section. I do. Yeah, always has a line. Like, there's always a huge line behind it. So I'm in the self checkout line, and it's kind of long. So I'm like, I'm looking at my phone, and the person in front of me had moved a little bit and I didn't realize it yet. So there's a little space in front of me. Well, so this guy comes with his cart and like cuts in front of me, like takes over the space. And, and it wasn't even big enough for a whole cart. It was like, he just kind of wedged himself in there a little bit. And I wasn't in a big hurry. I only had a few things in my cart. So I was like, Nope, not worth it. I'm not saying anything. And, um, the guy behind me did not feel the same way. And, He said to the guy in front of me, hey, buddy, there's a line here. Don't you see the line? And the guy was like, looked over at us. And he was like, oh, yeah, sorry. But he didn't move. He just stayed there. That's a baller status right there. Sorry. Classic. Yeah. 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 Keep checking it out. (laughs) Yeah. And so then the guy behind me was like, said with some choice words. So are you going to move? And so then the guy was like called out. I guess he got embarrassed. So he pulls out of the line and um, heads to the back of the line, walks by the guy behind me that called him out. And I got to, I have to say that these guys were probably both in their like maybe 60, around 60 somewhere. Oh, seasoned. This isn't the first Walmart scuffle. And and let me say this, Katie, as someone, as someone who, as someone who's frequents a lot of Walmarts, the 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 stakes for little social interactions like this increase dramatically <laughs> the older someone gets. And it's, it's someone in their 60s, someone cutting a Walmart lines at the hugest deal of the day for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Clearly, because the guy in front of me who got called out and is headed to the back line, he was probably six inches shorter and like 50 pounds lighter than the guy behind me that like called him out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the smaller guy is heading to the back of the line and he says to the, this big dude, Hey man, you want to take this outside? Let's go right now. Yes. And so then the other guy says a lot of things that I can't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, you know, no, you need to just learn how to wait in the line, get to the end. And the other guy was like, no, man, let's go outside. And, the, and then double down. Just, the, I think I didn't see what happened. Cause I was turned the other way, but I'm assuming that the, the bigger dude just like stared him down. And then he <laughs> went to the end of the line. Yeah, well, I, I know for a fact, there are many Walmarts in Florida, actually across the South that have, uh, the express lanes and they have the exit doors where they, they have the entrance doors of the greeters. And they have a, a, a special door that said for people taking things outside. 
And you just go right there and you do it <laughs> for a little bit. And then you, you finish a, your you got a ref out there ready for you. Yeah, yeah, you have weapons. If yeah. <laughs> you can choose. You get like a like a bull whip or like a bat yeah, like with a, a nail like through a it. gladiator. Yeah, everybody just goes to pick their dirt. <laughs> yeah, old tire iron. Okay. All right. This is the one We're I really want to this one. To. I see this one and, and uh, Katie, uh, I, I, I cannot wait. Okay. Katie, <laughs> Katie, our listener of the week has given the one, the only Macaulay Culkin a ride home one time. Wow. <laughs> how, how, well, okay. I have a lot of questions. Walk us uh, through it. Yeah. Step let's just start step. from the beginning because you know yeah. we, we've got to know the full story here. <laughs> yeah. This is why I put it back number one because I just, I wanted to catch your eye, Jesse. Yeah. Well, you did. It was effective. <laughs> Okay, so I grew up in Florida with my dad, but my and my parents were divorced. My mom lived in Montana, okay. and um, there's a little the town she lived in was called Red Lodge. It's a very small town, like no stoplight, nothing, and okay. um, it's beautiful there. And so a lot of people would go there to shoot movies. So I'm pretty sure I was trying to think what year it was. I think it was 1995. Okay. So that summer okay. I went out for like three weeks to stay with my mom and um, it was like all the buzz around town. Like all anybody could talk about was that the Culkins were staying in town because <laughs> Karen Culkin, is that how you say his name? Karen? Karen. Yeah. 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 He's on succession at the moment. Yeah. yeah. The little brother. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. I forgot about that. So he was there shooting a movie. And so the whole family had traveled there with them. And so I think I was like six, 15 or 16 at that, that time. And, um, and since I didn't live there, I only had one friend like yeah. that I would hang yeah. out with when I was visiting. And my one friend worked at this, like, I mean, it was like a legit, like old timey soda fountain place. Okay. And it was like the only place in town really that teenagers had to hang out. So it's, the only place really that Macaulay would hang out. So my friend, I was hanging out with her and she was telling me that, oh yeah, you know, he's been coming into this place all the time. And I totally thought she was lying. Like I thought she was making it up just to sound cool. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was like thinking, yeah, right. Like she's not been, cause she was saying like, he's been coming in here every day. And I was like, yeah. whatever. So in any tiny town, there's nothing to do. So Friday yeah. and Saturday night, the kids cruise up and down like the teenagers. I don't know if they oh, yeah. do it still, but yeah. they used to, they would just cruise up and down the main street. Yeah. Like oh, I've, been in, yeah. I've been in towns oh, yeah. like that. I've been, I've been in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's just what they do. You just drive around, you see who else is driving around or whatever. So we're in Melissa's car, me and three other girls. Then we get to the edge of town and there's this kid walking on the side of the road and it was the middle of summer, but he was wearing a huge black and gray flannel shirt and like big, yeah, you know, it was like big, like grunge time. So he was wearing the yeah. big, like sure. black pants, the chain or whatever. Melissa was driving the car and she's like, oh, there's Macaulay. So we pull off on the side of the road and she goes and talks to him and he gets in the car. And um, she's like, yeah, he's walking back to their place where they're staying. So we're going to drive him. So he squeezes in. Well, she has, uh, well, she has, uh, like, matter of fact about this as you're making her sound like. If she makes it sound, this is just another day in the, another she's, day she's up there. Just picking up Macaulay, picking up Macaulay. Culkin. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, and she was definitely on a first name basis with him. Baller move. And hey, what? What was he chatty in the car? Um, he was nice. Like I could tell, he was a little bit. You know, felt a little bit awkward, but he was appreciative because it was hot and he was wearing like flannel, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I was shaking. I was like, I looked down at my hand and my hand. (laughs) (laughs) And I had this huge smile on my face. I could not wipe off and I couldn't say a word. Like he, she introduced him to all of us in the car. But, um, well, yeah. So when you, when, when you arrived at his home, when you brought him to his destination, Did he invite you in? And do you think it was elaborately booby trapped? (laughs) (laughs) I would not trust that place. I would not trust that place. Well, Katie, thank you for being our listener of the week and tell all your friends at the joy dome that, uh, that we say hello. Their secret is safe with us. All right, guys. Thank you. That was Katie. Hey, if you want to be our uh, listener, of the week, then all you have to do is hop into the DMs and uh, give us three interesting facts about them. So Katie did a great job. Make sure these are fa- these are facts that have a good story behind them. If you have given a celebrity a ride, that's a really good. That's an easy one. Have you ever given a celebrity a ride, Jesse? You- I, I have. I have been in the car with people who probably our listeners would. Uh, okay. I, I. How about this? I. I one time. This is, it's funny that we were talking about like 238 and me without you. This is actually before Uh that, but it was like the tooth and nail era. And I went to a concert. I knew a guy who worked at like a really cool venue here in town. It's still here. It's called the Norva. You can go to see a bunch of shows there. And this is right when, and I wasn't even there to see them. I was, I I can't remember what band I was seeing there. And I, I don't even think it was, it was right when like Switchfoot like was like crossing over. Right. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think it was like a, like a Christian artist I'd seen, but Switchfoot was playing and I knew a guy that worked at the venue. He was like, Hey, you want to go hang out and just kind of, uh, uh, you know, see what it's like there. So Switchfoot was sound testing and I'm like 16. I was literally 16 years old. Their sound testing and their keyboard died. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? They're like, does anyone here have a good, uh, a car and know where a guitar center is? So I was like, yeah, I do. So like Switchfoot piled in my car as a 16-year-old. <laughs> I just drove them while they bought a keyboard. I mean, of course, now we've had John Foreman on the podcast. Recently. But when I was 16, it was like, oh, that was that that felt like celebrity-ish. But now I think I think the, the nature of our jobs kind of changes the, those types of yeah, dynamics. Yeah, it's not quite. You know? It's a little different. Have you ever told John, have you I was like, hey, do you remember like no, years ago? Because I, I, I mean, I'm sure those guys have so many weird stories. Do you remember not, literally 20 like, years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I had a similar story. I was, uh, I wasn't, uh, I was at a deer tick show and their oh, yeah. keyboard died. And, uh, and I had to, I, I said, I ran back to my, to my apartment and picked up my roommate's keyboard and I uh, drove that back down so they could get through the show and then, and then told my roommate in that order. It, it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out really well. It, was yeah. good, it worked out just fine. I, one time, reason, people don't know this, uh, and it's, uh, you can believe me or not. I was supposed to be as a child in a Kieran Culkin movie, but it never came out. So you'll never have proof. <laughs> never proof. But it's a great story. It's a great story. It's a weird movie. Odd weird movie. Yeah. Odd like that. Yeah. Many thanks to the Grey Havens. Hey, they're on tour right now. Make sure you check them out if they come to your area. You will not miss an evening spent watching those guys live. They're really, really solid. They are. Chandler, you saw, you've seen them live before, right? Uh, we had them in the studio once. Super nice, super good. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. good. Like, they, 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 there's something about married duo uh, um, artists 
where they're like they're just harmony and chemistry is really fun to watch. They should get hey, maybe they can pop in on the reality show with, <laughs> oh, with Abner and Amanda. Maybe a, a face off. A face yeah. off. Some sort of like they could do like games of like of like chance and skill and see who the top who the who the top married duo band is. Yeah, no, I, yeah. It's like they show up and it's like Billy the Exterminator's there and he's like, All right. We got a hornet's nest in a shed uh, in an old abandoned property, and we got a possum lodged up near a water heater under an apartment building. Go! And it's just like them trying to <laughs> who gets solve. the hornets or, yeah. or a possum situation. Yeah. He they, uh, grades them on like skill and efficiency, but but also like he can give them some like marriage advice too while they're yeah, at it. Either. I don't As know. I was watching, I, I couldn't help but notice. Yeah, I don't know, Billy the Exterminators. Uh, I don't know if he's still around, but I think it w- I think people would be very happy to see him make a come at you least can, a cameo. You, you, you know? can learn a lot about a couple by watching them get a possum out from a water heater together. <laughs> he, 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 in some ways, by the time it's over, he's going to know them better than they know themselves. <laughs> <laughs> These are the shows I would watch. Chip and Joe, if you're listening, call us. I got a thousand of these ideas. A thousand. These are just off the cuff. Yeah. Off the cuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I want to see, I want to see another. I want to see like the Helsers, like the worship couple for Bethel, have to go repossess a '97 Mustang <laughs> that the guy hasn't made payments on in, in four months. I want to see them do that. I want to. I want to see. I want to see Brian and Jen Johnson have to go to the backyard and actually try to repossess this old Camaro. Let's see it. Roll cameras. Because guess who just Broad got daylight. home? Just who, guess who just got home? The car owner. And he's not going down without a fight. This is going to be good. <laughs> also, I want to say thank you to Native. Hey, for 20% off your first purchase, check out nativedeodorant.com. Use that promo code relevant during the checkout. Uh, also, we have a podcast for church leaders. It's called Called, uh, and uh, we, we've been really, really loving this yeah. podcast. Can't believe the caliber of guests who've agreed to, to join us for this. So so cool to hear uh, some of these folks talk about leadership and the church. If you have any interest in this, please do check out Called. You won't regret it. Also, we have a print magazine. Uh, we're putting the, the finishing touches on issues 102 as we speak. Uh, if you subscribe now, you'll get that one. You'll probably also get issue 101. So go over to relevantmagazine.com. Make sure you subscribe. And that'll wrap it up for us. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Chandler String. And, and be sure to check out Chandler's hot new EP. <laughs> I stared into the mirror for seven straight hours in a dark room all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and faded away. Uh, I stared into the mirror for seven hours. It's wow. I mean, it's next level. Thank you for, for injecting the show with that kind of very unsettling energy, Chandler. That'll come at you about the same time Jesus is King lands. In the, in your uh, have a great weekend, everyone. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store 
Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Why am I like this? Uh... Relevant Podcast Network.